just uh, um, give a, a text that was sent from one of the Every Nation pastors who, who is in Ukraine. I, I think we have, I'm not sure, I think it's about seven Every Nation churches in Ukraine. And uh, this is what was sent. Please tell your people, because of their prayers, God really fights our battles. The rockets disappear in the air without reaching our homes, and no one knows where they went. Enemy tanks run out of fuel. Russian troops get lost and ask our locals for food and for directions. That is definitely God, because we are dealing with the second strongest army in the world. This morning, Kiev and other major cities are still free, and we, in a city I can't pronounce, did not have to run to the basements. And so our prayers matter. And uh, please continue to be praying. There's an opportunity for Every Nation Churches to be, uh, for us to be giving to some uh, relief efforts. And so we're going to be sending you out some information on how we can practically contribute in that way as well. Well, Jonathan gave a, uh, just a great summary to this new series that we're beginning last week, going through the first 11 chapters of the book of Acts. And I am really excited about this series. It seems as though God is doing something uh, that I think is very timely. We have spent the last few years being the scattered church, really, not the gathered church. <clears throat> and it's been hard to figure out how to come back together again. There's still... Uh, uh, legitimate fears and concerns. There's lots of opinions on, on what it should look like. And uh, it's been hard for you personally, I'm sure, and for us as a community to try to sort this out. So it feels timely that we would look at what God's word has to say about being a spiritual family, a, uh, a Christian community, and as you heard last week, an ecclesia, not just a synagogue, not just gathering to personally connect with God, but actually being part of the kingdom of God uh, through his church advancing, seeing his kingdom advance through the church. So what we saw in the passage that was just read <clears throat> is that uh, we live right now in the age of the church. And the church is bracketed by two realities, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and his return, his second coming as king. And so we live in between the two most important moments of world history. When Jesus came to earth, died, and rose again, no one has risen from the dead. Jesus Christ did. And he, uh, he, had, he made sure that it was verified. He plants his church, and his church is designed to, uh, to welcome the kingdom of God to prepare the earth for his second coming, and we live in between these two great times when Jesus is going to return again to be the ruler of the world. We talked uh, a few weeks ago how this might very well be insulting for people, that we're right now, think of what's happening, what we just prayed for. What do we learn about rulers? Rulers should be held in suspicion. And the more power they have, the more dangerous they become. And what we have is Jesus Christ declaring that he's going to come back in sovereign power, uh, unlimited power. He's going to return like that. Now, what we are taught through looking at human rulers is that that's the worst thing that could ever happen. 
that somebody would return with unqualified power, yet this is exactly who Jesus is going to return as. He's going to be the coming king. And get this, our responsibility is to help people work that through. And they're going to need some help, aren't they? Maybe we need some help first. And then they're going to need some help. That hold on here. Uh, a sovereign king is going to return and declare his rulership over the whole world. Well, that sounds dangerous. And somehow, you and I need to work it through in our hearts and then communicate to other people that this is the best news that has ever been spoken, that Jesus is going to return as sovereign king. Uh, we are then described as the church. Uh, this is the phrase that we're going to be looking at. We are being described as empowered witnesses, empowered by the Spirit of God. We're going to spend most of our time looking at that, to witness or to testify that Jesus being king is very, very good news. That's what we're to testify. Because they look around, and people being king doesn't look like ever good news. We're going to say, no, no, no. When Jesus is king, this is very good news. And I can tell you by personal experience, as I've submitted to his rulership, his lordship in my life, that he's changed me because I've submitted to him and I obey his ways. So what does the church testify about? What do you and I testify about? If you're the church, this is your marching orders. You're to testify that, uh, that it's good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the way that we develop our testimony, the way that we develop the knowledge that this is good news, is we obey him today. And as we obey him, we are building up a testimony, a witness that his love and leadership is very good news in our life. So what is the, uh, as we submit to Jesus as Lord, after we do that, what's the first thing that we're told to obey? So we obey rulers, right? Rulers, and we obey them. What are we told to obey? What are we told to do? To wait to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing the church is being told to do, is to wait to receive the Spirit of God. Now, uh, what is it about the Spirit of God that we need? We need to be empowered to somehow communicate the authority of God. How do you do that? How do you uh, declare and demonstrate that Jesus is Lord? You know, you come up to somebody and you say, Jesus is Lord. First of all, what are you talking about? We never use that language anymore. It's weird. Uh, okay, he's king. Uh, that's worse. Um, he's my life leader. Well, I kind of like that. It makes it personal. But how do you uh, testify that Jesus is a sovereign king. The way that we do that is we are filled with his spirit that changes us. His authority, as we receive him through his spirit, his authority changes us and changes what we say to other people. 
Um, we see in these verses two, thing, two passages that I just want to emphasize. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. The Father is set by his own authority. As we look forward to Jesus returning, don't get hung up on timing. What you should get hung up on is the method and what you're being commissioned to do right now. So he says, it's not for me to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Um, so I grew up in a church that did not um, believe in what this passage is describing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just grew up in a church that didn't teach that. It's a Bible-believing church, a great church, um, but that wasn't part of what was taught. We were taught that uh, the, the empowering of God and miracles weren't necessary anymore because we now had his word. And so we could just, just as long as we preach this, that's going to be sufficient. And so this is what I was taught. And uh, because I was taught it, I, I believed it. And whenever I read the Bible, that's what I saw. And so I had a friend of mine who did not believe that. He was uh, training at Regent College to become a, uh, a pastor and a uh, great guy. We lived in the same dormitory, for those of you who have lived in Cary Hall. I lived in Cary Hall for a few years at UBC. And uh, he would take me out for coffee. And uh, well, I didn't drink coffee, but he had coffee. He would, he would take me out and he would explain to me how the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit is available today. And, um, you know, I, uh, I can be fairly good at arguing. And I remember uh, we, would, we would meet together and he would, uh, he would give me his little case and then I could just poke holes in it. And each time we would get together, I would feel bad for him because he was a really nice guy and he was obviously trained, but he would lose the argument. And so, uh, so just to give you a, a bit of a backdrop, before this time, I was very active in being a witness, what we read in this passage, very active. I lived in uh, Port Alberni. If I'm driving home, I pick up a hitchhiker, preach to them. I would, uh, as I'm on the ferry, I would look for somebody who looked vulnerable and alone, and uh, I would talk to them about Jesus. Uh, when I was at UBC, I would go out alone and with my friends on the campus very regularly and testify to who Jesus Christ was, actively, uh, every week, out boldly sharing my faith. During the, uh, it would be between 10 to 12 years of me doing this, I did not see one person come to Christ. Just a little discouraging. Not one person. Flash forward to this time with my friend Rob Powell, who I've just reconnected with on Facebook. That's really fun. He's still, a, he's, he's uh, lives back east. But, uh, so we go at this one time, and uh, he does the same spiel. I feel bad for him because I won the argument again. And, uh, and, and so for some reason, he got into my car. I don't remember why. And he says, Greg, can I just pray for you? And I remember thinking in my head, uh, sure, nothing's ever happened when people have prayed for me in the past. Why should this be any different? And so he lays his hand on my shoulder, and I feel spiritual power goes through my body. 
And the first thing that goes through my mind is, nuts, I lost the argument. <laughs> I'm so full of pride. You know, that's the first thing that goes through my mind. I, sick, I lost the argument. And I'm so full of pride, I didn't even let him know anything that happened. I just said, thank you very much. And, uh, and he left the car. And uh, I'd be vulnerable, and we didn't want to do that. And so, uh, so he leaves the car, and, uh, and as I'm driving away, I think, I should speak in tongues. Now, five minutes before that, I didn't believe in speaking in tongues. And now I think, that would be an outstanding idea. And so I speak in tongues. I go off to a Bible study, and uh, really great. Uh, driving home back, I was living in Burnaby at the time, and uh, uh, driving home, I'm speaking in tongues all the way home, and I am, I've, I've never been physically drunk, but I, I appreciate the attraction because I was, uh, I was uh, spiritually intoxicated. I had a stick shift car back then, and I could, I could barely, barely shift the gears. And I, I, I pull up into the driveway because I was doing a, a year out, um, out uh, by BCIT. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm lying in my car, and I remember my landlord knocking on the window to the car. And he says, you okay in there? And I said, I am okay. And as soon as these legs work, I am going to get out of this car. That was my experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I don't think it needs to be that dramatic. I think it was mostly because I was so full of pride that God had to do something like that because I'm fairly you know, dense and he needed to get through to me. But uh, here's what happened after that moment. That's an interesting moment. Uh, here's what happened after that. I don't know how many people I've prayed for to come to Christ. I have lost count. <clears throat> now, you might have a theology that doesn't believe in speaking in tongues or the power of the Holy Spirit. or You might have a theology like that. <clears throat> That's fine. Um, I would like a theology that fills me with power over and over and over again so that I can be a witness to testify to Jesus being Lord and changing lives because of his love and authority. That's just where I'm coming from. Uh, to, to convince people of a power requires a power. And it's not a physical power. It's a spiritual power. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against powers and principalities. And the only way that Jesus' spiritual power is extended on the earth is through his church in these bracket times that walk in his spiritual power, not bullying or, or manipulating or, or, or pushing people forcefully to believe, but through kindness and humility and faith, displaying a God who changes lives by his love and authority. Now, in, um, in Acts, there are uh, six times when we see the church, it's, it's probably more than that, but there's six primary times where we see the church uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can draw some conclusions as to what that typically looks like um, from these scripture verses. So I can't, just because of time, I can't go through each one, although I'd love to be able to do that. But please, let me give the highlights 
and then we're going to be going through most of these verses in the coming weeks. So, but I at least want to paint the picture now. So there are two things. The first is there seems to be an initial evidence when people are baptized. The word baptized just means to be immersed or to, uh, to be fully dunked into something. It's not just uh, on the outside, but, but, but something actually washes through us. The idea is a piece of cloth being dyed. It's not just dyed on the outside, it's dyed through and through. That's what baptism means. So the initial evidence of somebody being immersed uh, is three things, and they're all to do with anointed speech. Let me say, parenthetically, that um, the same people that this is happening to, and, and it's going to happen in Acts chapter 2, it's just being told about in Acts 1 here, uh, in John 20, 22, it says that God breathed on the same group of people, a smaller group, but the same group, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean? Well, the word for being breathed on would be the same word used in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, when God breathed on Adam life. So the Holy Spirit breathes new life. If you call yourself a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Life has been breathed into you. And so what seems to be going on here in Acts is a, uh, uh, an empowering spirit, not a spirit that simply allows us to be born again, but a spirit that is empowering us for the task that lies ahead of us, a task that would be impossible for us to fulfill on our own strength and ability. And this, this witnessing, this testifying, this declaration that you and I are to give to the world, God anoints our speech. And there's three ways that we see in Acts that this is described. The first is that after people are baptized in the Spirit, they prophesy. They, their speech is anointed by God to tell people messages that come from God that people want to know or need to know. Um, okay, that's just like the most fun thing ever, okay? I don't, you know, it's very hard to preach these things and just, you know, talk about it kind of cerebrally. I remember one of the first times um, uh, I remember being prophesied over. I'm in a group of a 1,000 people uh, in my old church, great church. And a guy up on stage picks me out of a crowd of a 1,000 people. And he goes, you, and you do one of these, you know, because for sure it's not me. I was quite sure I was anonymous in the kingdom of God. I was quite sure of that. He says, no, you. He says, stand up. And so I stand up, and he says, I called you at the age of 11 to be my servant. I came to Christ when I was 11 years old. And he says that, and I burst into tears. You know why? Because in that moment, I knew that God knew me personally. Because I'd felt like just faceless, one of many in a crowd, and that God knew me personally. And then he said some things that I still remember this day that I hang on to, especially in difficult times. <clears throat> when, our, uh, when we first started our church, the, um, uh, I, I left 
my old church with great angst. Um, I don't think, I personally, I'm not into leaving churches. I just don't think that's what we do. Uh, but I was uh, forced out of a church. And I love that church. I still love that church. And I was so afraid that I was disobedient. But we were trying to follow God. We came under the authority of every nation because we just didn't want to do our own thing. And uh, I go to Nashville, which is where uh, every nation's, one of the head offices of every nation is in Nashville. And um, I meet this guy, and this guy says, don't tell me anything about you. I don't want to know anything about you. Okay. Nice to meet you as well. <laughs> um, but I, what I didn't know is that he was a prophet, and he says, I don't want to know anything. And so, uh, so later that night, he prophesies, and he describes what I went through in the, in the previous church. He says, people were taking shots out of you. And he says, but I've called you. And he's the name of our church, you don't know this maybe, but the, the first name of every nation in Vancouver was called the river. And he says, but I've called you to cross the river and, uh, and to start a new church. And again, you hear that and you just weep because you, you just don't know if you're following Jesus, you know? You're trying to follow Jesus, and you don't always know if you are. And then you just get these confirmations, and it just, it just was so healing to my heart. <clears throat> you and I uh, get to receive messages from God that have that kind of meaning to people that we could talk to. We can prophesy. Many of you here prophesy. Uh, Prophesy, it's, uh, it's just fun to listen to God on behalf of another person and to tell them what you sense God saying. We don't do it in all kinds of, you know, thus saith the Lord, and we don't have to have a low, booming voice to do it. Uh, we just speak in, our, in a casual way, but we're trying to listen on behalf of another person. That's prophecy. And then it says in, um, in Acts 4.31, it says when they were filled with the Holy Spirit again, by the way, it's the same group of people being filled a third time. Kind of interesting. It says they spoke the word of God boldly. That one of the other things that we receive as we come to, to Christ is a bold authority to speak. It's an authority that carries weight. Sometimes I'll, I, I, you know, today I was, I was listening to my old professor preaching from 1988. How many of you were alive in 1988? I don't know. But preaching in 1988, and he's speaking, and my chest can hardly handle it. The truth is so impactful. I can hardly, I just, I'm driving, and I have to concentrate because the truth is so has so much strength and power in it, I'm moved. He speaks with the, with the authority and boldness of the Holy Spirit. Don't you, want it, don't you want your words to have impact? When you speak of the things of God that people's, you know, we read about, we're going to read in Acts chapter 2, and when Peter speaks, and it, it says that the people were cut to the heart. Who wants to be like a talking, wow, wow, who cares? We want authority when we speak. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to give you, if he hasn't already. 
And finally, perhaps the most controversial, and this is what we'll pause on, is the thing that is mentioned most often in the book of Acts is speaking in tongues. That when they were baptized in in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. We'll unpack it again in the coming weeks, but it deserves, because we're going to be praying for you in a minute, so I'd like you to know what's, uh, what's in store for you. Uh, there are at least three times in Scripture where the content of tongues is described. Um, in Acts chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians 14, and then in Acts uh, 10. And in each one of these, Tongues is described as praising God. That's what it's described as. When people speak in tongues, they're praising God. Now, um, it's popular, it's been taught, uh, it's taught to me for many years, that uh, we, on that first day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and there was tongues of fire, fire is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit, that is a refining fire, they all spoke in tongues. Here's what said, and you got to watch the language very carefully. It says, each one, which meaning there was a whole bunch of nations there, and they all heard, heard them speaking in their own language. Okay, so that's like impossible, right? They all heard them speaking in their own language. So it doesn't say they were speaking in those languages. It says they heard them speaking in their languages. So the best that I can understand this to mean is that there were two gifts in operation at that time, the gift of interpretation and the gift of speaking in tongues. And so there was a group of people that could hear them speaking in their own language. Uh, I have, uh, there's two examples that I know of this to be true. Uh, Somebody who became a very good friend of mine, he was a biker dude, came to church for the first time in his leathers, leather chaps, and... um, and just kind of sitting in the back row, slouched. And um, during the worship, this was uh, back in the day, we don't do this so much anymore, but during, during worship, people would just break out in, in, in singing in tongues. I don't know if you guys are into that. We'll, we'll do a vote or something and see what uh, we can pull that. But that's what we used to do back then. And so this guy, super cool biker dude, somebody comes up to him afterwards as he, as he tells the story. And they say, well, what did you think of the church service? He goes, it was okay. But that woman in front of me, when, when she was singing of the beauty of God, I had never heard of God being described that way. And if that's who God is, I want to know him. And he came to Christ his first day in church. Because <clears throat> he heard someone declaring the praises of God in his language. It's another example that I can tell where somebody who, uh, who wasn't following Christ also was gifted with the ability to hear somebody speaking in tongues in her own language, otherwise known as English, and uh, was overwhelmed with how God was described. This is remarkable. And you and I get to worship God with unspeakable uh, words and declare his beauty to him to anyone who would hear. It's always praising God. And here's the thing, in faith. Speaking in tongues is praising God in faith. Um, 
You know, have you heard of this? Uh, they sometimes describe cannabis as a gateway drug. Have you ever heard that saying? Okay, speaking in tongues is a gateway gift. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, here's what it means, is that it sets a pattern for how you walk with God in the spirit. It sets a pattern. And the pattern is this, that you move forward not being able to control what's about to happen next. So prophecy, you might fake. Boldness, you could talk louder, maybe. Tongues takes faith to do, primarily because you look like an idiot doing it. Right? Who wants to babble like a child out loud in front of others? Nobody wants to do that. And that's exactly the point. As we pray for people to speak in tongues, we say this. Open your mouth and begin to vocalize in faith. And whatever comes out of your mouth is speaking in tongues. I wish my wife was here because she would love to tell the story. And she does it much better than me, but I'll do it for you. Uh, I won't do it justice, but I think that she might be watching. So she's still in Phoenix. Phoenix is really nice this time of year. You guys should all go there about now. When you had a cold spell, I did not. It was very, very wonderful. Anyways, so she is, uh, so this is how she tells the story. So uh, it's one of the first times that, that uh, she came over. I was, again, living at Cary Hall at the time. And uh, by the way, when I was meeting my friend at Cary Hall, I spent some time at Cary Hall, and then I moved to Burnaby in case you looking for a loophole in my story. Um, but uh, again, uh, I'm a... I'm a I'm at Carrie Hall. She comes over, and she's a good, uh, she's a good Lutheran girl, which uh, she grew up, I don't know, at least in her church, that speaking in tongues was of the devil. And, uh, but she came to visit me. Who, <laughs> but anyways, and uh, we were as helping her. She was running a youth group, really cool story. Brought in one of my friends. I, I asked her, would you like to speak in tongues? And she thought it was a polite to say yes. And so, uh, so she says, I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Is, uh, we're going to pray for you, and then God's going to baptize you in his Holy Spirit. And then we're going to start speaking in tongues, and then you just join in. And uh, we're going to invite you to do that. If you haven't spoken in tongues, we're going to invite you to do that in a minute. And so, uh, so she's, she's, she's sitting there, and she says, I'm clenching the Bible, and I feel like my fingers are going to bleed. I'm, I'm clenching the Bible so hard because I want to do only what the Bible says. And she's nervous. And then she says, uh, a song at that time, a popular Christian song, had some Hebrew in it. And she goes, well, that's not English. So maybe if I said those words, they would think I'm speaking in tongues and they would go away. And so, but she says, but they knew the song, so I had to slightly change it so they wouldn't know I was actually saying the song Hebrew words. And so she says something that didn't sound like English. And the suppose, I don't remember doing this, but supposedly I went, there, you've got it. And she's thinking, I do not have anything. <laughs> I just made that up right on the spot. But here's what's interesting. So I tell her, again, she tells the story. I don't remember these things, but I tell her, just say that over and over and over again while you drive home. And she says, so I say this word that I thought I made up over and over and over again as I'm driving home. And she says, and the Spirit of God comes on me, and his presence is so tangible. She says, I drove home, I fell on the ground, and I just praise God for his goodness and strength. Listen to this. Listen to our stories. I'm proud 
and arrogant. Debbie's making up something. And Jesus comes into our kinds of hearts and does what only he can do. Isn't that encouraging? My word, if God can visit us, for sure he can visit you. You're much nicer than I ever was. Here's the issue that's going to face you, is that what the primary enemy of moving in the power of the Holy Spirit is fear. It's fear. I've prayed for many people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some of you might just consider that to be Pentecostal language. That's great. I just like to pray for people as often as I can to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can do with that language whatever you'd like. But I prayed for many people, and I can watch fear rise up in them. I can just see it on their faces. They come kind of a little bit open-minded, and then I go, okay, I'm going to pray, and then I can watch. I'm going to look like an idiot. This isn't going to work. I'm an exception to the rule. Um, I've never done this before. My church taught me otherwise. Like, they're just things. It's just fear. It's just fear. Now, what does the Bible say? is the only way to overcome fear, faith. It takes faith to shut out the fear and open our mouth and vocalize in faith. It takes faith to do that. Some of you will say, I've been prayed for many times, but we're going to get that in a moment. Speaking in tongues uniquely helps us address our fears, and it becomes, as I've said, a gateway, a... uh, a pattern for how to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, where you move beyond what you can control and you do something in faith. This is why I think it's an initial, often, not always, but often an initial evidence of being filled with the Spirit. So here's what I would ask you. You might ask the question, why would I need to speak in tongues? Well, to declare the praises of God would be an answer. But I can do that anyways. But here's a question that I would like to ask you. Why not? Why not speak in tongues? Why not? Why not prophesy? Why not speak boldly? Why not? What are the means? This is our final point. We see through the, um, through the book of Acts, elsewhere, the laying on of hands. Now, here's why I think that's great. Because the laying on of hands is my friend laid his hand on my shoulder and I felt power go through my body. You don't have to feel anything. But I happen to. But what that tells us is that it's a gift. It's not earned. It's just transmitted to you. It's just a gift. And all faith is ever doing is receiving something freely given. That's all that's ever going on. It's a gift. Just transmitted. You don't earn it. You don't manipulate it. You don't fight really hard. You receive it. And we receive his gifts by specifically asking for them in faith. We'll close with Luke 11 in a moment. But to stir faith, and this is what I'm going to ask you to do right now. We find in this passage that it says, to wait for the gift my father promised, to wait. So this is how we prepare ourselves to receive, all right? We wait. 
Now, I had, it's a dumb analogy, but, but work with me. I had this picture of a goalie playing hockey. And imagine a goalie preparing to, uh, to have a shot taken on them. Just, just imagine that. Now, what does it mean to wait? Does waiting mean that the goalie is uh, sitting in a locker room, uh, dressed in their suit? Hockey players always seem to be in suits before they uh, go on ice. They're waiting in a suit, and he's waiting. Is that what that means? And then somebody says, the shot's coming. He goes, oh, okay, I better prepare then. I got to put on all the gear. Just hold on for that shot. I got to put on the gear. I've got to get ready. I should do some warm-ups and then take some practice shots on me. And then I'll... No, waiting. When a goalie is waiting to receive a shot, they are fully present in that moment, actively anticipating a shot to come towards them. And a, and a goalie could be super exhausted playing a, playing a full game without ever having a shot on them because they're actively preparing themselves for what would come their way. This idea of wait is an active waiting. It's an anticipation. It's not a, it's not a I mean, if he wants to, he can, I guess. That's not waiting. That's called non-waiting. I made that word up. It's, it's, a, it's a leaning forward, and I'm ready for the shot. I am, I'm present and fully engaged in this moment. That's what the word waiting means when we look at this passage. Isn't that great? So it's not, if he wants me to, that's not waiting. That's saying, I'm not waiting yet, because maybe I'm afraid. And I don't know if I want to wait that way because it sounds vulnerable. But it's waiting. As we go further, we see in, uh, uh, we're going to, again, read Luke 11 in a moment, but it's actively seeking. The idea is it's an ongoing anticipation and seeking the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's praying. What we find throughout Acts is God's Spirit came in power when people prayed in anticipation of what he's going to do. I was just listening to, again, my professor uh, uh, this afternoon, and he says, uh, he says in Scripture, uh, uh, petition, asking for things, and thanksgiving are always tied together because you ask in the anticipation of receiving. It's, they're, they're always together. It's, Father, thank you for what you're about to do. Thank you. It's all, you're, you see how you're already receiving it as you're asking for it. What a great attitude. And then it's listening. It's listening to the word of God. It's treating this um, as applying to you, the church. For John baptized with water. Does anybody have an argument with baptism? Water baptism. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Spirit. And so I tell you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. There's an anticipation. This is what's going to happen. Are you able in your heart to say yes to that? Amen. Wow, I didn't know that was going to happen today. Could have sworn this was going to be a regular service. 
hot dog. I guess this is going to be a really special one. Now, in conclusion, Scripture is clear, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone speaks in tongues. So if you never speak in tongues and you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a Christian. You're not a second-rate Christian. You're not an average Christian. You're a Christian because God's Spirit breathed on you and you were born again. So you've got to hear that. You've got to hear that. This is not some hierarchy of godliness or, or faith. We're not talking about that. That's, that's unhelpful, and it would be mean. But God is willing and able. Paul says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. The same one who says not everybody will speak in tongues says, by the way, I wish you would all speak in tongues. What if God would like that? What if God would like you to speak in tongues and worship him in faith with words that you haven't formed or came up with? And now your praise is full of a dimension of faith that is very sweet to his ears. And what sounds like Babel on our end sounds like beautiful joy and worship on his. Well, that's just fun. So God is willing and able. And the question that needs to be asked is, are you? Are you willing and able? You get to, you don't have to. You don't have to. You're going to be just fine. You don't have to do any of this. It's all good. Really, it is. But you do get to. Here's where we finally get to read Luke 11. We'll just read verses 10 and 13. You can go 9 to 13 for, for more, but here it is. For everyone, well, that's a sobering thought. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So how do you apply that? You believe it. You have faith. You believe it. You go, could that apply to me? Am I, am I in everyone? That everyone who asks receives? Verse 14, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isn't that beautiful? How much more? God longs to bless us, longs to fill us with his presence, longs to empower our mouths with prophecy and boldness and tongues to declare the coming of the kingdom, that we would have words that would match the glory of the kingdom. He longs to give that to us. So we are, uh, we're going to continue in worship. And uh, Jonathan's going to walk things, uh, walk us through this. But we're going to kind of have a soft ending today. So we'll, we'll have some worship. And then uh, he's going to invite some people up. We've already prepared some people to come up to the front who would love to pray for you uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are not just going to do that this week. We're going to do it for the subsequent number of weeks. We don't know how long we're going to do it for. Uh, and if you don't want to come up, that's fine. If you've already come up and have been, God bless you for that. Uh, but for those who would like, you're just warmly invited to come up and people are going to pray with you and, uh, and help you find faith 
to receive this gift. And it's not about, it's not about a badge of something. It's about being filled with God's spirit that you can testify of his goodness and that you can have a love for others that won't just be mere sentiment. It will have spiritual power behind it. Can you say amen to that? Let's stand together. But um, I felt in my spirit that we were to already, in Acts chapter 1, already be actively waiting, position ourselves already, even before we get the full teaching and acts already that you would be given an opportunity to receive. So Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for my family. I thank you that we're here today because we do believe in you. Most of us here would, would identify as being Christians. And you've already breathed on us. As you breathed life into Adam, you've breathed spiritual life, eternal life into us. And so we've already received you. I thank you for the gift of eternal life. There is no greater gift. And so, Father, I pray that with the same humility that we received you as we came to Christ would be the humility with which we would now come forward asking to be filled, to be filled again, to be filled with more of your spirit, more of your gifts, to be empowered to be a witness, not just empowered to go to heaven, but empowered to be a witness. And so we are your church, and this is what you've invited us to do. And we want to be open and receptive to our Lord this evening. Do meet us in this time as we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.